cage, Kanobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya, Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao, Kong, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Makabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quan, Shi, Shin, Oxo, Rina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Doraicho, Dramin, Fosu's now, Tenkenji, Mavado, Mocap, Moloch, Katara, Ashra, Dairo, Darius, Havoc, Hotaru, Kira, Cobra, Onaga, Shijinko, Gigante, Vondavora, Cassie, Cage, Eren, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Kongjin, Takeda, Trap, Dwarf, Cetrion, Scarlet, Gareth, Collector, Chronica, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Podcast combat lore from the perspective of a single character. Today, I have a very special guest. been trying to get him on for a while. Excited to have him here. Screenwriter Robert Cargill. Hello. Hi. Everybody just calls me Cargill, so... Oh, great. Cargill. Yeah. Like Madonna. Um, You you say that, and uh, uh, (laughs) that is literally why those jokes are in... Doctor Strange is it's about the whole thing with Wong and his single name is about me because that's literally oh, what people have said to me my whole <laughs> life. It's like, oh, Cargill, like uh, Prince or Madonna. It's like, yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, my last name. Well, listen, you put your whole name on Twitter and I also didn't ask how you wanted to be introduced. That's so, all fine. Uh, you're, you're, you're just Cargill today. Uh, it won't happen again. I apologize. Um, please don't strike me. Uh, great. <laughs> No, no, so, no worries. Like literally, it's it's a weird thing. So I, I get you it. Say that, so. but like I'm watching. There's steam coming out of your ears. Your eyes are turning red. <laughs> uh, you're pounding the table, and there's I'm foam turning into a coyote right now. Yeah, <laughs> slowly transitioning into a horny cartoon wolf territory. Now I'm confused. Getting into erotic thriller world. Um, how how's it going, Cargill? How you doing? I'm actually talking to you the day your movie comes out. So I, I mean, I am doing exactly what you'd expect to be doing. I am a bundle of nerves wrapped around pure joy. Like it's one of those things that you know, it's always awesome to put something new out in the world. And I've been blessed that I've been able to do that several times, both as you know, books and movies, and just kind of put it out there and let it go be its own thing. And this is being its own thing, and people are reacting really well to it. People who mean a lot to me have really enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, strangers are digging it. So that's the, that's the hope. That's the the dream. And, and it's doing, uh, it's doing well so far. So we'll see how it does for the weekend, you know? Um, and, uh, that's the, that's the nerves part. It's the, you know, <laughs> will they ever let me make a movie again? Um, you know, you always, that's, that's the thing is no matter what, what point you get to in this career, you always, have that feeling like <clears throat> this could be the last one. So I'm going to enjoy it as if it's the last one uh, and then uh, see what happens the, you know, uh, on that weekend. And so we'll see, we'll see how I feel Monday. Monday might be like, aha, it is a triumph <laughs> or it could be like, Oh no, we've made a colossal mistake. And now, now they won't let me make another movie again and I can't get a meeting in this town. So, you know, we'll see how this one pans out. <laughs> you're probably good. I think you're probably good. I feel like my my brain has gone into the space of like, not even I hope this works out and I get to make another thing, but now the like fatalist part of my brain has started to think like, 
boy, I wonder if this is the last like TV show uh, any of us make, and it's just Quibbies from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, I wonder if this is the last movie I make that doesn't have like a commercial break, like in theaters, like midway through. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of chatter for the last year about oh, movies are dead. You know, cinema's done. You know, seeing movies in a theater is going to be something for just you know the hardcores that you know that's their hobby. Uh, you know, like that, that 65 year old guy that goes out inline skating. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and sure enough, then, you know, then Maverick comes out and everybody goes back to the box office again. And, you know, uh, like four times. Again. Yeah. Like four times. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, wait, no, stats, they were like 4% of the audience went back more than four times. Like that's fucking crazy. That's it insane. is. It is. And that's what you, <laughs> that's what you want. That's, and it's like, okay, movies aren't dead. We can still make movies. We can still have you know, that experience and we can go with a raucous crowd that isn't just a specific group of diehards. I mean, not that that's terrible. You know, you've got your new Beverly crowd. You've got your, you know, your uh, Alamo draft house crowd that goes out to the weirdest things. And we love those. And, uh, but it's just kind of nice to be able to have a, a, you know, something that's not a retrospective and get people out to see it. And we're able to do that again. So I yeah. love that, that we came through the other side of the pandemic with, you know, movies intact. So it's very exciting and, and hopefully people enjoy my movie. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, uh, I went and saw, I went and saw Maverick at a drive-in in Paramount, California, which is like not quite in the heart of LA. Like it's a little more suburban and, and on the outskirts. And, uh, it was packed. It was a couple weeks after the movie came out and people were laying on their horns because they couldn't cheer because they weren't in a theater. <laughs> people were just like <laughs> laying on their horns, like freaking out because they were so psyched at like certain points of the movie, including the intro where Tom Cruise is just like, thanks for coming to movie. I'm Tom. Bye. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it feels good. It feels like there's a, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth wind uh, in theatrical right now. So. Hope that sticks around because I like movies and I like going to the movies and I like it when there's a lot of people at the movies when I go. It makes Same. it more fun. Same. So Cargill, uh, what's your history with Mortal Kombat, man? Are you a gamer? Have you ever gamed? Have you ever done a Mortal Kombat before? I have. Um, <clears throat> my history is I'm an old. Uh, I'm an old guy. Uh, I got white in my beard, which means I literally pumped quarters into the first Mortal Kombat. I was one of those <laughs> kids who walked into the arcade and had my mind blown out the back of my skull, uh, seeing like blood and guts in a in a movie, you know, in a video game. Like that was not a thing. You know, there were a couple beforehand, <clears throat> but they were all like goofy. You know, um, I, there was a. A game called Splatterhouse, where you'd walk around and smack oh, yeah. zombies with baseball bats and they'd explode, but it was like very cartoonish. Uh, so when this happened, uh, <clears throat> it was, it was, <clears throat> pardon me, it was a real game changer. It was, it was one of those things where it's like, what? So I was, I was a hardcore Street Fighter fan. Uh, I have played numerous uh, Street Fighter games uh, and got very good at them for a while. Uh, I mm -hmm. would, you know, go to the roller rink and put a quarter in and beat the game and people would come up and be like, oh, this guy's good. I'm going to beat him and, you know, still be on the same quarter two hours later. Um, so when Mortal Kombat came out, I was like, oh, hell yes. Uh, so, yeah, I played a lot of the iterations of the early versions of uh, uh, Mortal Kombat. I am a uh, I am a gamer, but now I've moved from, you know, fighting games and MORPGs to ARPGs, which is my thing. I love uh Diablo style games, especially uh, I'm a big Path of Exile oh, yeah. fan. 
Uh, I was a big like I was uh, I was such a big fan of a game that was around for several years called Marvel Superheroes. That was an ARPG with Marvel that they literally put me in the game as one of the artifacts. Um, you could actually that, get what was that like Ultimate Alliance or was that like a nope. where was, what platform was Superheroes on? Uh, it was uh, it was uh, uh, towards the end. It was also available on PlayStation and I think Xbox, but it was a PC game. Oh, wow. uh, that was around for several years, and um, uh, you could actually one of the uh, one of the in-game items you could you could get that could drop off villains was Cargill's rewrites. Um, <laughs> that would essentially it, it, one of the super. They asked me, "Hey, we want to put you in the game. W- what should your artifact do?" And I was like, "Well, let's make it rewrites, and so your character comes immediately back from death. From death, so you don't have you know you you <laughs> instantly regenerate." And I've rewritten the uh, rewritten the game a bit. And uh, had some. Uh, I forget what the other abilities were, but yeah, I, I played that game a lot. And was so that because played- of how much you'd sunk into microtransactions? They just felt like they owed you uh, a presence <laughs> in the game. Uh, you'd essentially you know, invested. You would- you would think because I did <laughs> sunk a lot of money into that's the thing about being a Hollywood screenwriter is you can afford microtransactions, so you become what's oh, known wow, as I gotta a whale. get to that level. <laughs> I'm but still no, they, in iPhone uh, game territory. It was literally that thing where it's like, oh my God, we have somebody writing a Marvel movie, playing our game regularly, like regularly, regularly. And I got to know the, you know, the community managers uh, over the time and other people who uh, made the game. And uh, I still follow a lot of them on, on Twitter and the like and interact with them because they're all just, it was a great team. Uh, but it was a really great game. And uh, uh, so uh, ARPGs are mostly my thing. Uh, I play a lot of uh, Path of Exile now. Um, I got to check that I, one out. I think I've missed that one. It's great. Is it pirates? I'm going to guess it's pirates. Is there pirates no. in it? Okay, cool. I I'm mean, guess, technically, it, you could be there uh, are angels ships. versus demons. Yes, there are angels and demons. Got it. Great. Uh, I'm actually in Mortal Kombat 11 myself, um, but as someone that the Terminator has killed. No. So it's a kind of weird uh, back back road in, but I'm in it. If you consider the Terminator canon, which I do. Well, I mean, it it's it's such a crazy pants mythology. Why not? Um, yeah, everything fits. We are but oh, a glint in Mortal Kombat's eye. Oh, to to further uh, give my Mortal Kombat cred, I've seen all of the movies in theaters uh, except Hell for the yeah. final one. Um, but yeah, I, it was one of those, like when the movies came out, like I'm in, let's do it good or bad. Let's go. I definitely saw both of the original movies in theaters as a kid and definitely the parents I brought with me were pretty pissed. I think both times <laughs> I remember I, I watched the new one when it dropped on HBO max and I loved it. And my friend's like, why that, why the hell did you love that? Like, why did you like that movie? And I'm like, well, did you see someone get sawed in half with a hat? Cause I did. And that's all I wanted out of this movie. So <laughs> let's go. So around like what mortal Kombat game did you drop off? Would you say? I want to say probably four. Um, okay. You know, Once it went uh, 3D. I, I mean, when, when I started, you know, when, when I moved away from, uh, cause the thing is, is I moved, you know, th- there was a point where arcades just stopped being rad. You know, uh, they weren't making as many stand-up arcade Agreed games. Everybody was moving. Everyone was moving into console development, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so you weren't getting as great a variety of games. Arcades started getting sad because they were, you know, all the games were several years old. You weren't having that excitement of walking in and seeing a new game that they put a TV on top of the 
the the game so that everybody could stand around and watch like that that era had ended and um uh and i wasn't as big into console gaming you know and what console gaming i was doing was mostly rpg stuff at the time because you know rpgs finally came into their own so you were having you know uh you know great stuff like the final fantasy games or you know, uh, even even you were having RPG aspects added to, um, you know, racing games like Gran Turismo, where you were really like starting off with nothing and like winning races and then buying better cars and establishing your cars and having your own, you know, uh, getting to drive your favorite car that you've tricked out. And those aspects started creeping in. So just the fact of playing the same character against, you know, everyone else's characters that you've been playing for years didn't, you know, wasn't as exciting in that era. So I kind of fell off from, you know, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and and those games. In Dude, general. you missed out. You could have gotten some RPG elements in conquest mode in Mortal Kombat Deception and Armageddon. Oh, I did not know that was a thing I it's, could do. It's time to get back. Use your Hollywood screenwriter money to buy a, an Xbox or PS2 or GameCube and a copy of those games. Oh, I There's have still time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm fairly certain both of those games came to GameCube. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so you you stuck with it for a while. Would you say that you are as a as a writer, how invested were you in the story of those games? Or was it more about the the blood, the gore? Cuz Mortal well, Kombat's no, always been one of the story more story heavy video I, games, period. I, I was I was always games. I was always a fan of all the story elements of all of those games. So, you know, it was the whole thing to play through and beat all of, you know, all the various characters so you could read the story uh, and not just hear about it from your friends. Because, you know, pre-internet, you know, era uh, or when Internet was still young, you couldn't just hop online and go, oh, I want to go to the Wikipedia for this. It's you'd hear all the bullshit. And it's like, hey, if you beat it with with this character. Uh, then you get this ending and uh, yeah, no, the stories, the stories were always part of the driving nature of it. It's what differentiated it from earlier games where it wasn't just some nameless guy with some, you know, like one of my, my favorite bad games of the eighties was bad dudes. Um, oh, hell and yeah. It, and it has one Where's of the, the greatest opening movie. Yeah. It, it, it I need Netflix with- to blow $200 million on a bad dudes movie right now. <laughs> I mean, Ronnie's been captured. Are you bad enough to save him? Uh, it's like one of the greatest openings of a game ever. Um, yeah. And so. Uh, it's like basically the premise of the raid. I feel like I feel like it's a no brainer. Yeah. But but you'd get that opening and that was it. That was all you had. That was the, all the story you got. So when we started getting like, hey, you're an actual character fighting for a reason and you're going to get all of the story based upon you know, just dialogue bits at the end of matches. And then if you beat the game, if you beat M Bison, you are going to get this, you know, it's going to be all explained. And so, you know, that was the whole reason to play those games was not only for the fun of, you know, winning the fights, but also uh, getting that story out. So yeah, no, I was, I was heavily invested in that story. Great. Well, I'm going to take it much farther than you were aware of at the time. And I'm going to bring you all the way back to the dawn of time, the creation myth of the Mortal Kombat universe, because despite the fact that we're talking about a character today who's had relatively small amount of screen time exclusively in the last two games, uh, the very origins of the Mortal Kombat universe are surprisingly relevant, as I found out uh, in doing my research for today's episode. So uh, without without further ado, let's start talking about Aaron Black, uh, who's definitely one of the coolest people in Mortal Kombat. Have you seen even a picture of this guy? Are you familiar with him at all? No, I'm not. Okay, well, I'll, 
I'll say that there, there are going to be elements of this character that you're going to like a lot. that are going to feel very personal to you and exciting as a, as a fan of genre. And also, if I'm not mistaken, you're in Texas, correct? Yes, sir. Well, we're talking about Texan today. So <laughs> uh, before we get into Aaron Black, the guy, let's talk about his origins. So just real quickly, if we could just jump back to the uh, dawn of time, uh, there was nothingness and there was the one being the one being was this great celestial being. Think God as any uh, lesser religion might think of God. Um, but the one being was so powerful. that The one being was like, I want to make a universe, um, but I don't need to do it myself. So instead, I'm going to create an entire pantheon of uh, elder gods, which are really just derivative gods of myself. And those elder gods are going to make the realms for me. They're going to create a universe for me. So one being makes the elder gods. The elder gods are like, Okay, so uh, our boss says we have to make a universe, but here's the thing. We have the power to make the universe. Why do we have a boss? Um, so they make these weapons called Kamidoku daggers and use them to hack the one being up into uh, an infinite number of pieces. Then they take the pieces of the one being and each one of those pieces becomes a realm, a dimension. So Earth realm, the entire universe as we perceive it, is like a single piece of the one being. Uh, Outworld, one of the like villainous uh, realms from Mortal Kombat, yet another piece of the one being, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are now these many realms that the Elder Gods have created and want to rule over. Uh, but as life starts to develop in these dimensions, inevitably people start trying to conquer one another. Uh, it's just nature of life to try to eventually discover other worlds and conquer them, discover other realms and conquer them. And what the elder gods realize is that uh, this is the one being's influence uh, trying to pull itself back together again. Because if Earthrealm discovers that there's another realm called Outworld and we attack them and try to merge the realms together, that's the one being coming back together. Uh, so in a crazy cosmic way, it's like saying that like Alexander the Great uh, being a single bit of the one being wanting to conquer the entire world is really just being influenced by this cosmic uh, cosmic uh, kind of brain that he doesn't realize he's a part of. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind the Mortal Kombat universe and its many dimensions, as well as why the Mortal Kombat tournament was created. Because uh, the Elder Gods were like, we want them to have free will, otherwise what's the fun in ruling over these realms? Um, but we need a rule in place to make it at least harder to merge together. Because if the one being comes back together, the one being's going to be like really pissed at us for uh, murdering and and dismembering it. So he's essentially um, Saturn. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> A.K.A. Kronos. Yeah, it's a it's a Kronos esque uh, story. Kronos obviously being a story that was kind of a ripoff of Mortal Kombat to begin with. Um, well, I mean, the Greeks really loved Mortal Kombat and ripped it off every chance they had. So, yeah, well, you know, plagiarists, all of them. Um, so, <laughs> so, so the why they wore those make, masks when they acted so that you they, you couldn't identify who was ripping off Mortal Kombat. They didn't want to get dragged into copyright law. I understand. It's relatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, the elder gods are like, we have this foolproof plan to stop the one being from coming together uh, without taking away free will. We'll just create this thing called the Mortal Kombat Tournament, and we'll make it a rule that if a realm wants to merge with another realm and conquer it, they just have to defeat it in 10 fighting tournaments in a row. 
Um, and that was that. That was how the Mortal Kombat tournament was created. But uh, not unlike Lucifer, uh, yet another piece of story ripped off from the legend of Mortal Kombat, there was an elder god uh, who said, fuck all of you. I want to do my own thing. This is this guy named Shinnok. And Shinnok tried to just come down to Earthrealm and say, like, well, why don't we just like fuck with people and and have fun? And like, who cares about free will? Let's make them do whatever we want for our own pleasure. Uh, and the other elder god said, fuck you, Shinnok, you can't do that. And so they sealed him away in an amulet and they put that amulet in the nether realm, which was a realm uh, that was ruled over by a god named Lucifer. Um, <laughs> literally the biblical Lucifer. So, uh, wow. Wow. The Bible did rip off mortal combat. Uh, like That's I amazing. said, mm-hmm. where do you think they got the name from? You think someone just like made that up back in like Bible time? Doesn't really make no, a lot of sense. Absolutely not. So, all of that will come back in some form throughout the story. Uh, but now we can get into the nitty gritty with Aaron Black, uh, who was raised in a place called Wicket, Texas. Have you been there? Uh, no. It's real. I Googled it. Um, canonically speaking, this has to have make been me a Google Wicket, Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will say uh, there's definitely some chronology issues because Wicket, Texas, the real place, was established in 1926. Aaron Black was not born in 1926. He has to be, he has to have been born at least, like, I'm going to say 180 years ago for his story to make sense. Um, but well, he was I born mean, and maybe raised. He was born in the place we now call Wicket, Texas, population 498. He also calls it Wicket, so you know maybe 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 there's just some misinformation on Google since there aren't that many citizens there today. I'm gonna say Google's wrong and Mortal Kombat's right. So uh, Aaron Black, born in in Wicket, Texas, raised in Wicket, Texas, by uh, some abusive parents. Never gets into exactly what happened, but it is said that uh, he eventually fought back against his mom, like physically, and uh, murdered his dad um, by shooting him. And that kind of became Aaron Black's thing. So like pretty young as an abused kid, he, he learned how to shoot guns and he got so good uh, that he once shot a hummingbird at 50 yards away. That's canon. Um, and sounds pretty hard. I don't know. You know, Wait, it's hard he, shot to a, imagine. he shot a hummingbird with a cannon. He shot a hunting hummingbird with like a hand cannon with like a revolver. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he uh, he gunned down a hummingbird from 50 yards away. He was like super good uh, with a gun in his hand. And um, this is the one thing that is completely mysterious. There's never been an answer to this. Somehow, uh, as an orphan roaming around shooting hummingbirds from really far, he wound up finding a way into another dimension, uh, a world called Outworld. And he liked it there. He decided to stay. So he wandered around this dimension called Outworld, which to give you an idea of like what this was like for this kid, Outworld, by the time he got there, it had been a lush and beautiful paradise um, that was protected by a god named Shao Kahn, who you probably are familiar with from when you did oh, yeah. play Mortal Kombat games. Shao Kahn was initially supposed to be the god, like Raiden, who protected Outworld, like helped it find champions every generation and helped it win these Mortal Kombat tournaments. Um... But instead, he decided he wanted to be a god king and take over Outworld. He did that. He drained it of its energy. It became like a desolate wasteland full of deserts and like purple skies and started setting about conquering other realms um, because that was what he wanted to do. 
So by the time Aaron Black arrived in Outworld, it was a desolate desert, probably not unlike uh, early, you know, Wild West that he he had kind of grown up in. Um, and he, uh, there were, there were basically like all these different monsters and different, uh, beings that were living in Outworld when Aaron Black got there, whose, ra- whose realms had already been merged with Outworld and constricted to live there. So he was living in a desolate wasteland that was a melting pot of, uh, refugee vampires, lizard people, dragons, dragon people, um, these mutants that had been experimented on called Tarkatans that had swords that could slide out of their arms. You might know so from like it's, it, No wonder he's at home. This is exactly like Texas. Like the, yeah. you're just describing Texas. Yeah, it felt it felt homey to him, and he was like, well, "Why not here?" As it's as good, it's just like Wicket. Um, and I don't have parents here either, so fuck it. Why not? So uh, he wound up becoming a mercenary. He roamed around for a long time in Outworld, uh, just working as like a gun for hire. He was a crack shot uh, who was so good that uh, eventually he started like putting together weapons made out of trophies of his kills. He had a sword. You, you, you remember Baraka from Mortal Kombat 2? Oh, the course. guy with swords come out of his arms? He yeah. had a sword uh, that was made out of the uh, skeletal arm of a Tarkatan he had killed where he would hold the, the forearm bone and uh, wield the blade like a sword. Um, in addition to his guns and... and uh, for some reason, it's a whole thing for him. He really likes throwing sand and rocks in people's eyes. And eventually he made like bombs that could do that, that he would throw little grenades. Um, so he just became known as this like great hitman in Outworld that people would hire. Um, and eventually he got hired by a sorcerer named Shang Tsung, um, who said, hey, I need you to kill uh, an Earthrealm champion. This person who has won a Mortal Kombat tournament before or could win a Mortal Kombat tournament if if they are so chosen. Um, I need you to go and assassinate them. Uh, and in exchange, I'm going to slow down your aging. You'll get to live a great long life like all the people who are native to Outworld. Uh, whereas you're an Earthrealm person, so you're only going to live to like, I don't know, for someone born in like the 1860s, 1870s, probably like, or not even earlier than that. Probably his lifespan is like, what, 40? <laughs> so... Uh, so Shang Tsung says, don't worry, man, I'll take care of it. Uh, I will let you live a really long life, but you have to assassinate someone for me. Something I want to mention here is it's never said who he assassinated. Based on the timeline, there's not a very clear answer. The only Earthrealm champion we know of from this time was this guy named the Great Kung Lao, who he definitely did not assassinate. But in doing my research, I found a really great theory on Reddit from this Reddit user named ET37, just to give credit. Uh, that the person that he assassinated uh, for Shang Tsung was Abraham Lincoln. And I got to say, this actually checks out. <laughs> so this is, this is verbatim what they said. Uh, the game where this idea was introduced was released in April of 2015. And it said very clearly in that game uh, that 150 years prior was when... Uh, when Aaron Black took on this contract to kill an Earthrealm champion. That would have been the year 1865. And that's uh, April of 1865 is when Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. Four score and seven years ago, I beat Shao Kahn's ass, (laughs) defending the realm from everyone. Here's the thing. He wouldn't have told us. It wasn't like made public knowledge when people fought in Mortal Kombat tournaments. No, no, he could. He, I mean, Abraham Lincoln was, and you know, I, I'm going to back you up here. Abraham Lincoln was a wrestler. 
That was his fighting style. He had, yes. he was a wrestler. Not only he was, was a, he a wrestler, he competed in 300 matches and he only lost once. I mean, that is exactly who in 1865 you fucking send to defend the realm. Yeah, if I'm Raiden and I'm like, who am I going to send into the next Mortal Kombat tournament? I, you know, I'm not go- saying he necessarily won, <laughs> but it's very likely he was on the same team as the great Kung Lao. I mean, and you, you got people like, oh, you're going to make fun of my hat? No, you're not. Yeah. I got you. This was like around the time that Shang Tsung was looking for excuse. It's actually possible. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of this. It's possible he was also on Shang Tsung's team uh, in an even earlier tournament before Shang Tsung left to go work in Outworld. But um, it stands to reason at this time when Shang Tsung was trying to take out the great Kung Lao, that he would also make sure to try to take out the rest of the great Kung Lao's like generation of warriors in case someone else fulfilled that same role. So very possible, if not likely, that Aaron Black, not John Wilkes Booth, killed Abraham Lincoln. Justice well, I for mean, John, John Wilkes Booth. Booth was an actor. So, I mean, who do you hire to play the person who assassinated, you know, one of the greatest fighters in Mortal <laughs> Kombat ever? You, you, you get an actor. You, this all makes sense to me. This all tracks. Are you suggesting that Shang Tsung also hired John Wilkes Booth as like a false flag? actor Uh, uh, i mean look if we're gonna go down this conspiracy theory rabbit hole (laughs) i mean why the hell not i mean this is this is so plausible marjorie taylor green would question it like this is i'm i'm in i'm in i see no reason to doubt that this happened and i will believe from now on that canonically aaron black murdered abraham lincoln all right We're talking about a story where a child who grew up in a place called Wicket, Texas, eventually discovered a portal to another dimension where he was hired by a sorcerer to kill the president of the United States. It makes sense. These are just facts. These are these are facts. This is this is how reality works. I mean, I would also like it makes sense for Shang Tsung to be like, I remember this guy wrestling at the Mortal Kombat tournament a while back, and now he's the president of the United States. Even taking out great Kung Lao, like it's a problem. There's a great leader who's a great warrior. Like I've got to take this guy down. It makes sense. So <laughs> Lincoln wins fatality. <laughs> For sure. He got fatality, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Aaron Black kills Abraham Lincoln, is granted long life, returns to Outworld. Uh, he's got his cool sword, his cool grenades. He also wears like eyeshadow to block the uh, glare of the sun to make him an even greater marksman. Uh, this dude rules. And uh, he's wandering around Outworld, you know, doing his thing. And something that you have to know about him is it was known that like what he really valued was money. He'd been raised to not believe, you know, to have no value in his relationships. They were all transactional. He had abusive parents. So uh, he grew up to be someone who was like, yeah, I'm a hired gun. I'm not going to think about ethics. I'm going to work for whoever is the most money, whoever's paying the most. That's who I'm working with. Um, Because of that, he eventually winds up joining a group called the Black Dragon, who are a group of mercenaries led by this guy named Kano, who you also might recognize from the early Mortal Kombat games, uh, who are like interdimensional mercenaries. They go to all different realms. They work for whoever's paying them the most. They're like arms dealers. They're selling fucking nukes to sorcerers and dragon guys um, in different realms and then selling magical artifacts back to people here in Earthrealm. Uh, and he's like, yeah, it makes sense for me to roam with these guys. I have never had good relationships before, but I stand to make more money if I hang out with the Black Dragon. So he enlists. He's rolling around with Kano, with this guy named Cabal. 
He's having a grand old time. Uh, and eventually he winds up uh, serving Shao Kahn, the ruler of Outworld at this time, who has hired the Black Dragon to be like a paramilitary group for him. Um, and during that time, Shao Kahn starts going to war with Earthrealm, first over the course of many Mortal Kombat tournaments, and then uh, in a like full-on invasion in an attempt to uh, take over Earthrealm. So now, in addition to murdering the President of the United States, uh, Aaron Black has fully turned on his home dimension and is helping to bring about their demise and uh, merger with Outworld under Shao Kahn's rule. Uh, I during gotta say, this time, you, keep, <clears throat> you keep saying, you know, he's roaming around Outworld, and I'm just uh-huh. hearing the B-52s in my head the whole time. Just, yeah. You know, it's roam if you want to, to, roam around Outworld. Yeah. Without someone wings, should do that without cover. wheels. Not me, but someone. That's just an open invitation, anyone listening. <laughs> yeah, he probably had wings. He was probably riding on like a dragon. They had a lot of well, those. Well, no, it's without wings yeah. and without wheels. So this is this song is just about him, it turns out. Yeah. Even the B-52s ripped off Mortal Kombat. This is this is mind-blowing to me. Dude, the rabbit hole goes down pretty deep. Pretty deep. <laughs> uh, it's also canon that during this time when he was just working as like a hired gun for Shao Kahn, uh, he dated Scarlet, who uh, was uh, a, a sort of assassin made out of blood. Um, she's like a blood mancer. And, uh, and Nitara, who was a vampire. So he's very much a man out of uh, out of his element, uh, you know, just banging vampires and shooting dragon guys and killing the president of the United States and helping to overthrow our I mean, entire dimension. I mean, that sounds exactly like the girls I dated in college. Like, I was into the weird chicks, too. So, like, I get it. Yeah. You were like, blood mage vampire sounds good. It's up my alley. I mean, <laughs> I'm, saying, yeah. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I may have dated that girl. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um it is also implied, I will say, that Aaron Black was like a pretty bad boyfriend because at a certain point uh, in one of the games, um, Scarlet, who's literally made out of blood and just kills people to drink their blood and become more powerful, um, says to Aaron Black, uh, does your employer know what you are? And it's at first you're like, oh, like, is he actually like not a human? Is he something else? But no, she just means like he's a really shitty dude. <laughs> he's not loyal. I mean, I, you know, as much as I do love Mortal Kombat, I, I do have a criticism here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a woman that's literally made out of blood, like mm-hmm. literally every person I've ever met. We're all literally made out of blood. Like, I don't yeah. understand. Sorry, I mean exclusively out of blood. <laughs> she doesn't have bones. She could turn into like, like, you know, at the end of Blade when Deacon Frost turns into like a blood tornado. Yeah. She's that. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. Still, when you say she's literally made out of blood, I'm I'm just kind of like, yeah. Fair. I, I get it. I see what you mean. I, I should have been more clear. She's a <laughs> phlebotomancer or whatever the. Uh, yeah. Um. So. Uh, so Aaron Black's kind of palling around at this like weird, fucked up royal family of Outworld, which includes Shao Kahn, which includes uh, Katana, who is a princess from another realm called Edenia that Shao Kahn kidnapped as a child and raised as his daughter and t- trained to be an assassin. And which includes uh, Melina, who will come up in a second, who was a clone of Katana that Shao Kahn had made in a lab, uh, but she's more vicious than Katana. So this is fucked up royal family that he's serving. And uh, eventually... As Shao Kahn is trying over and over again to conquer Earthrealm, uh, he winds up crossing the line. The Elder Gods have him killed. 
Um, and suddenly there's this power vacuum in Outworld. It's like, who's going to take over? Who's going to be in charge? And for Aaron Black, it's like, who's going to be my next meal ticket? And uh, initially, Melina takes over as uh, the new ruler of Outworld. She considers herself like the rightful heir to the throne because Shao Kahn is like technically her dad because he made her in a lab, I guess. Fair. It kind of makes sense. Um, but the issue is that she's psychotic. She's uh, uh, a really, really bad leader. And so it leads to some terrible times for Outworld and, uh, and pretty quickly some bad times for Aaron Black. He winds up, please go on. Oh, no, no, no. I was, I, you, you had mentioned, uh, you know, uh, just it was a thought rabbit hole where, you know, it's like, well, she considers him her dad because he made it in the lab. And I was just thinking, you know, I kind of wish my parents made me in a lab. That's a really much better origin story than what they yeah. actually did to make me. And so, you know, it's much easier to think about. So, I mean, there are know. lots of people whose parents did make them in, in labs. That's yeah. been a thing for a very, very long time. And it's, so and she, it's and like, she, yeah. It's yeah, usually it's, 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 it's a much better origin like, story. Yeah, <laughs> it's usually not like my mom and dad had my uh, had a kidnapped uh, princess from another realm that wasn't legally their child's DNA spliced with a mutant that they also had created by their sorcerer um, together to make a version of the princess daughter who had fang teeth and was really mean. Um, it's, it's usually not like that, but. Yeah, it's a much better story than, you know, dad one day was like, I'm going to tear that ass up and then you have it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, right. That's true. Although, to be fair, like how often do people say, hey, how did your mom and dad make you like it's not a story that anyone really has to tell very often. Um, Well, it was a beautiful night (laughs) in the backseat of a Chevrolet. Yeah, it's more like it it gave her a story in a place where people usually don't bother telling the story Dad only wanted a hand job, but he got, he hit the jackpot. <clears throat> <laughs> so, uh, I love that there's a bunch of people listening to this now having horrifying images of their parents yeah. mm-hmm. or just your parents. That's probably the most vivid image. That's being I mean, that's also, it could be like, yeah, no, I'm, pic- I'm picturing Cargill's parents right now. Yeah. Yeah. I now know how, uh, Cargill was conceived. Great. That's just a little bonus for the listeners. Now you know that. Now that image is in your head. <laughs> so, my dad uh, took my mom to a place called Pound Town, and thus Cargill happened. Is that a bar, or a, is it like one of those <laughs> I think swingers? So clubs? that's what uh, my dad. My, I, I I don't know where it is. I assumed it was like a burger joint, but that's what my dad mm-hmm. told me growing up. Yeesh. I'm sorry. Good thing my uh, dad doesn't listen to podcasts <laughs> that I'm on. So. <laughs> you want me to like email him to let him know about this or like is he a, is he a mortal combat guy not really okay we'll see this might this might swing him <laughs> so uh aaron black bad times for outworld bad times for him he winds up getting into a fight with kano uh that's literally just about like you know since money's a little more scarce since shao Kahn is dead and melina's crazed um, and it's not very like lucrative times for the dimension that they're spending most of their time in. And they're kind of not welcome in Earthrealm anymore for being traitors. Uh, they wind up getting into a, an argument over money. Uh, Aaron Black feels like Kano's keeping too much. And so he leaves the Black Dragon and kind of has this existential crisis where he's like, what am I doing? What's my life all about? Um, am I always just going to be living paycheck to paycheck? What do I want to live for? And... Uh, during this time of turmoil in Outworld, uh, this guy Kotal Khan, who Aaron Black kind of knew because he was like the head of Shao Kahn's army. Um, it's actually not named Kotal Khan at this time. He's just named Kotal. Um, 
he uh he he's basically like oh, okay like i see that uh this Kotal Khan guy wants to be in charge of Outworld. He thinks that Melina's doing a bad job. He's kind of more charismatic. He's got a better heart for sure than Melina. Um, and he's looking to recruit people to work for him to help him like overthrow her and basically do like a military coup. And uh, at first it's just about the money, but Aaron Black is like, you know what? Yes, I'm going to join him. This seems like a good opportunity for me to make some cash. And so he participates in the Civil War in Outworld uh, where uh, he's supporting... Kotal Khan in this like overthrow of the outworld government and uh and it's going pretty well for a little while um but eventually they start to lose their footing Melina's just too vicious uh her forces are too dedicated to keeping her in power Kotal Khan isn't necessarily going to win and uh eventually Kotal has no choice but to check out uh Aaron Black tells him like oh hey why don't you check out Earthrealm I'm from there. They've got a pretty strong military. Maybe they'd be willing to like throw in and uh, and help us in the civil war. And uh, Kotal says like, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. So he goes to Earthrealm. He asks them for help. He's like, hey, will the uh, U.S. military cross over to my dimension and help me in my military coup? You guys seem to do that a lot. So I was just hoping you could do that for like another dimension instead of just like a you know a country in like the Middle East or South America. Um, and uh, so Earthrealm did we come says, to give freedom to Outworld. That's basically what he he goes and asks for it. He's like, "Hey, will you guys come and give like freedom to uh, to Outworld by basically like using nukes and like F 16s in my dimension?" America, America, yeah. <laughs> so America, he, fuck yeah. Coming to save the motherfucking day, yeah. Outworld, um, <laughs> yeah. He, he he welcomes them in, and uncharacteristically, uh, the U.S. military says, "No, we're we're not going to get involved." And that's kind of where Aaron Black starts to think, like, "Man, have I thrown in with like the wrong side? Like, should I be involved with Kotal Khan? Like, did I make it? Did I make a mistake? Like, is there someone better that I could be backing right now?" And so uh, he goes back to the Black Dragon, who are still operating, and says, like, hey, listen, uh, I don't think Kotal is going to last much longer um, as, like, the, in his bid to, like, take over the throne. Why don't uh, I act as, like, the Black Dragon's proxy in this particular, like, organization, um, and I'll work behind Kotal's back, and we can just try to make some cash before this inevitably falls apart. And uh, he winds up taking a job for the Black Dragon, kidnapping uh, these two operatives of U.S. Special Forces, which is the U.S. military wing in charge of uh, alternate dimensions. Because, um, of course, Cassie. that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the world of Mortal Kombat, we've been dealing with this for, like, decades. So so they've, uh, they've created, like, a wing of the U.S. military to deal with places like Outworld. And... Uh, and... Um, Amidst this, uh, they wind up sending a couple of agents, Cassie Cage and uh, Jackie Briggs, to kind of scope out the situation in Outworld because they're like, wow, it seems majorly unstable. Uh, Why don't you go and uh, check it out and see how they're doing? And while they're in Outworld, the Black Dragon are like, hey, we could kidnap them, hold them for ransom, make some cash. Obviously, this would create problems for Outworld. It would create like conflict between Outworld and Earthrealm. Uh, But Kotal going behind, sorry, 
Aaron Black going behind Kotal's back is like, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. So uh, he participates. He provokes Earthrealm uh, by helping to kidnap Cassie and Jackie. And uh, it becomes this whole shit show. He meets up with the Black Dragon and he's like, hey, okay, I've got the Earthrealm soldiers. Are we going to hold them for ransom now? Uh, that's when this other group shows up called the Red Dragon. <laughs> no, because there's multiple dragons. They're just different yeah, colors. Yeah, there are. There are the red dragon turns out Aaron Black is like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. But turns out the red dragon came before the black dragon and Kano left them and created his own thing called the black dragon. The red dragon obviously don't like that. They're also like a, a mercenary group that operates between the dimensions. Um, they wind up attacking to try to steal Cassie and Jackie. Aaron Black's like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on right now. He frees Cassie and Jackie and says, hey, why don't you help me like fight them off so the three of us can survive and escape the situation? Cassie and Jackie are like, we don't know you. And they uh, they fight him instead. Aaron is all of a sudden getting beaten up by the two women that he had kidnapped. Um, kind of his own fault. Makes sense. Uh, and then at the end of the day, Cassie and Jackie uh, wind up getting kidnapped by Kano and the Black Dragon. The Red Dragon uh, kind of retreat for a second. And then Kano leaves Aaron Black behind and says, you'll never be a Black Dragon again. I still hate you for uh, that fight you got in with me about embezzling funds a while back. Um, You're not a part of our crew and you never will be. Uh, And also you suck for freeing those hostages. Uh, It just made it harder to capture them again. Aaron Black is left behind. Uh, The leader of the Red Dragon wounds him uh, and leaves him for dead strung up in a tree and says, this is what you get for trusting Kano, dude. Trust me, been down that road. That guy sucks. Yada, yada. Aaron Black is now foisted by his own petard, uh, strung up in a tree, bleeding from like some horrible sword wounds in his chest. Uh, Tried to work behind Kotal's back, failed, and uh, is now uh, brought, brought way low by his own actions. This is a lot of backstory for a minor character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some, I mean, we're now into the territory where we're in like the uh, some comic books that bridged a couple of games together. So at least some of this is covered narratively. It isn't just like text you have to read um, <laughs> to explain a character's backstory. But uh, yeah, basically, uh, the, the whole story of Aaron Black's life is he's just stumbling in a situation saying, I just want to shoot guns and get rich. And uh, not understanding the socio-political conflicts that he's uh, wandering into. and Well, he certainly of. sounds like every Texan I've ever known. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound unfamiliar. Shoot guns, get rich. That is that is our state yeah. motto. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, and then accidentally cross a uh, pseudo-Aztec interdimensional warlord trying to defeat a mutant uh, who's trying to take over an alternate dimension that you're not even from. I mean, that shit happens. What are you going to do? So uh, Aaron's strung up, uh, hanging from this tree. And who should find him but uh, Johnny Cage, American movie star, and Sonya Blade, head of U.S. Special Forces, uh, who, it turns out, their daughter is Cassie Cage, who, uh, who Aaron Black just attempted to kidnap. Um, and so they're angry. Wait, wait, wait. Let me go back. They they have a kid together now? Yeah, yeah. They have a kid together now. Her name is Cassie Cage. She also works in special forces, but she's got her dad's charisma. Um, and, uh, and Aaron has attempted to kidnap her 
and uh, and now he's been found by them, and they are upset. So yeah, we're now okay. deep into we're now into like Mortal Kombat ten. So like if you if you dropped off in four, you've missed about six uh, games worth of story. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, it they had like a it. kid. They had a kid. They're no longer together. It didn't work out. Um, they're just not good as a couple. But they are uh, working together, despite the fact that he is not uh, working for the military. He's just still just a movie star. Um, they are working together with special forces to try to find their child. I, I would, I would step in here and go, wait a second. This guy's still an action movie star in his fifties, and it's like, well. Yeah. Well, yeah, like all of our other action stars. So, yeah. Yeah, all that's right. what I'm, they do I'll, now. They're not allowed to like be like Robert Redford or Paul Newman and like age into being like dignified, like older character. Instead, it's like we, they just age into the part where it's like, yeah, they're still doing this, but they're old. But, and even that doesn't happen until you're like 60. I kind of I kind of want to go to the uh, Mortal Kombat universe and watch that version of the Expendables with Johnny Cage. Oh, that'd be pretty sick. We don't know literally any other movie stars that exist, though, in Mortal Kombat. There's only Johnny Cage. I think he might mention a few other people. I think he might also mention that Jean-Claude Van Damme is canonically in the Mortal Kombat universe. I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that happens. Well, if I remember correctly, they originally wanted to actually put Jean-Claude Van Damme in the game, and then there were rights issues. Yes, originally, it, I think originally this was going to be like a Universal Soldier game. And then they were going to put John, Jean-Claude Van Damme in the game. Uh, and then he said he wouldn't do it, which is part of why it turned into Mortal Kombat. So then they made Johnny Cage, who was a parody of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. And, and, and there so, we go. Uh, so, Kotal's, em- sorry, Aaron Black is embarrassed. Uh, because he's just been caught by the parents of the girl that he attempted to kidnap. Um, but he's even more humiliated oh, I've, because... I've, I've, believe me, I've been there before. That is not a fun place to be. You never want to have to explain there. to parents why you were trying to kidnap their daughter. It's humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he he finds them. Or sorry, they find him. He's embarrassed. But then it gets even worse because he finds that uh, they are traveling with some of his uh, friends from Kotal Khan's like Royal Guard. They're with Reptile, and they're with this uh, lady made of bugs who's also, who also is a bug uh, named Devora. Um, names that'll be semi-important later. So Devora and Reptile are like, Aaron, what are you doing here? And he's like, uh, um... I didn't betray our boss and uh, and so it's a bad scene and he tries to help out by saying, oh, um, I can tell you where Cassie Cage is. Earthrealm doesn't have to go to war with Outworld because I got involved in this situation. Um, so what he tells them is that Cassie has been kidnapped by um, Melina, Melina's advisor, this guy named Reiko, and they are working with this guy named Havoc, who is a cleric from the Chaos Realm, which is another realm. It's not Outworld. It's not Earth Realm. It's another realm uh, that's basically like um, if early internet, like hot topic culture was a realm. Yes means no. No means yes. Hello means goodbye. The, the official sport of the realm is everybody run around, which has no rules and just means they run around. Um, they like to be random and uh, and they like to do crazy stuff like rip their own faces off. So anyway, 
you still with me, Cargill? You, you oh, understand? oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I was good. just, it's like, oh, so it's a dimension for that kid in high school that everybody hated. Yeah, but like at that time, probably liked. Um, and now it's like, eh. but it's kind of it's coming back. Cringe is cool now, again. <laughs> it's a, I think that's a thing on TikTok. So, uh, so you know, Chaos Realm's cool again. I'm back on board personally. <laughs> Chaos reigns. Yeah, it's like if the fox from Antichrist had its own realm. There we go. Yeah. So anyway, there's basically an unholy covenant between Melina and uh, Havoc, this guy from Chaos Realm, and they're doing some bad shit, and that involves kidnapping Cassie Cage, which is what the Black Dragon was doing on their behalf, and they are now at a place called Shang Tsung's Island, um, which uh, is an island that was owned by Shang Tsung, at this point it's it's uh, one of those places at Disney World, right? Where they have all the great uh, places for adults at night. Yeah, it's like Pleasure Island. Did you ever go to Pleasure Island, by the way? I, I did not. I went as a teenager with my mom because uh, I was like, why was I there? I think it was when she was driving me to college in Tallahassee, Florida. And we crossed through Orlando. And um, that was a really, really weird place, man. It was That's very what I've weird. Heard. I've yeah. seen videos on it, but I've never actually. I, I've I went to Disneyland once when I was thirteen. Uh, happened to be there the season they opened Star Tours, so I got to ride the original Star Tours. Oh, that's fun! And, and that's the the only Disney interaction I've had. They didn't hook you up with a Disney trip when you wrote Doctor Strange. Not particularly. I mean, not when, even when, like when, when they started doing the Doctor Strange stage show that I'm, I think they still do. No, no, they did not. Uh, but I do get checks for that. Oddly enough, I get checks oh, for the stage sweet. show and the uh, um, uh, and the cruise ship every every quarter, which I find wow. bizarre. That's it. Like I get a check for seventy nine dollars because someone on a cruise ship says some lines I wrote once. Hey, go WGA. That's great. Indeed, I love that. <laughs> That's not that is not how animation writing works at all. Oh no. Yeah. Like oh, the like Brad no. Bird doesn't get a penny for the Incredibles having their own ride or performing on the cruise ship. Yeah, that's that's its own whole thing. The animation guild really needs it to is. to uh, either let the writers go uh, over to the WGA and protect them or protect them in the same level as uh the WGA protects us. I agree. I, I have a friend who wrote it, did major writing on an animated feature. It is mostly his. And the director just went, yeah, you know, I did some writing on it, so I'm going to take credit for it. And the Animation Guild was like, okay. And so he does not get any royalties or anything whatsoever for having written a feature film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That sounds right. He also wouldn't have if he had royal or had writing credit. <laughs> that is, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That is the world we live in. <laughs> but Mortal so, Kombat. <laughs> yeah, but Mortal Kombat. So, uh, now that we brought everybody down. <laughs> Listen, whatever gets people mad uh, enough to say stuff. So uh, so the Civil Wars... Right, or sorry. Uh, so Aaron Black uh, has now humiliated himself, uh, revealed that Cassie Cage has been taken to Shang Tsung Island, is trying to make good, um, but... It's really all for naught because uh, they're like, cool, well, we're going to go to Shang Tsung Island. Kotal Khan or Kotal is going to try to uh, smooth the situation with Earthrealm over by helping them go rescue Cassie Cage and also hopefully 
defeat like Melina and stop her evil plan so that he can take over Outworld. Um, but Aaron's not going to be a part of that plan. He has Aaron Black imprisoned in the dungeons. He at least spares him from being executed, which Aaron Black is like, oh, really? Um, because that's not the kind of treatment Aaron is used to. Uh, so he has Aaron imprisoned in the dungeons for betraying him and then sends the rest of his forces uh, to this island. Aaron's stewing away in the prisons. He's thinking about what he did. He's like, man, have I just been living my life uh, for, for the next bag of jewels from a, a warlord prince from another dimension? Um, is there something more? It's interesting that I was just shown mercy by somebody. I wasn't shown mercy as a kid. I wasn't shown mercy by anyone who's hired me before. Um, he's starting to experience this sort of like emotional sea change. Uh, and that's when a portal opens up and Devora, his old coworker pops out of the portal and, uh, frees him from the prison cell and says, Hey, uh, the fight, uh, on Shang Tsung Island is going really fucking poorly. So actually we do need your help and you need to come, uh, redeem yourself by helping out Kotal, um, don't need to get into it right now but there's some crazy blood magic shit going on and his brain has been poisoned and he's being used as a puppet it's gnarly so uh so aaron black is like oh yeah i'll help out he goes through the portal he shows up on shang sung's island and what he finds uh is that uh melina and havoc have used blood magic to summon the amulet of shinnok the very amulet that shinnok that fallen elder god is imprisoned in um, and they've used blood magic to uh, basically draw it out of uh, the ether from the nether realm, and they're now going to use its power to try to conquer the realms together. Um, and so Aaron Black shows up and shoots the amulet out of Havoc's hand, and he's like, I'm ready to redeem myself. And Devora is like, cool, if you want to redeem yourself, um, why don't you go and fight Raiden, the god of thunder, He's also here, and he's also being used as a puppet by Melina and Havoc. And uh, Aaron Black is like, wait, sorry, what? You want me to... I have, like, handguns. I'm just like a dude. You want me to fight the God of Thunder? And she's like, yeah. So he turns around and, like, uh, lifts his handguns and is like, all right, Raiden, the buck stops here. And Raiden just, like, fully electrocutes him. Because <laughs> he's Raiden. Like, yeah. It's like, hey, you know, you want to prove yourself? Go fight the God of Thunder. Only mm-hmm. the coolest fucking character in the goddamn game for 11 fucking chapters. Yeah. All right, I'll go do that. Yeah, yeah. He tries. That doesn't work out so good. It, it never does. You don't yeah. beat Raiden. No. <laughs> so uh, uh, at the end of the day, though, the good guys do win. Havoc is stopped. Melina is stopped. She runs off into hiding. Uh, and Kotal is finally able to take the role of Khan and rule over Outworld. And he actually says to Aaron Black, hey, I saw you. You fought bravely. I'm going to reinstate you as uh, a member of my royal guard, uh, as, a member, as, a, as a bodyguard for me. Um, and the civil war basically continues, but the new normal in Outworld is Kotal Khan is in charge. Melina is still trying to take back the throne, but she's been sort of uh, knocked back a few pegs. And uh, and Kotal Khan actually gives Shinnok's amulet to the Earthrealmers and says, why don't you protect the amulet in Earthrealm? We don't want any trouble. Let's just not have any interaction anymore. I want to try to create like a new peaceful age for uh, my realm. And from that day forward, Aaron Black was like, okay, I'm loyal to this guy. I've never been loyal to anyone before, but he spared me. He trusted me again after I betrayed him. And I'm seeing somebody who actually wants to create less 
chaos in the world, who wants to create less conflict and who wants to help people. I think I'm going to make it my duty from now on to, to do my job and to protect him. Uh, which is obviously a huge change for this guy. <laughs> yeah. He has flipped sides. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, for a few years, the Civil War continues. And eventually, Kotal Khan gets word that Melina has once again gotten her hands on Shinnok's amulet and is laying waste to entire villages. So Earth, Earthrealm fucked up uh, holding on to that thing. <laughs> and it's creating huge problems in Outworld. People are dying. So uh, she makes an attempt on Kotal Khan's life with the amulet. Aaron Black tries to defend him. Thankfully, uh, the attempt is put down. Um, but Kotal is royally pissed with Earthrealm now. So he takes a trip uh, to Earthrealm to try to ask him, like, what the fuck is going on? And at the same time, uh, Earthrealm sends Cassie Cage and Jackie Briggs back to try to, like, track down that amulet. And uh, Aaron Black bumps into them and is like, oh, hey, uh, we're not really friends. I don't want you in this realm. I'm I'm enforcing the realm for uh, Kotal Khan now, and I need you to leave. Um, but Cassie and Jackie once again steamroll him. They even stop like a public execution in Outworld because they feel morally opposed to it, even though it's not in any way their jurisdiction. Um, but thankfully, they're outnumbered and they get caught and kept prisoner. And uh, Kotal is now in like open conflict with Earthrealm. They're all looking for Melina, looking for the amulet. They manage to track her down. And uh, Kotal Khan has her executed. Um, so they out the Civil War is thankfully over with. Um, but... As soon as that happens, Devorah, who I had mentioned earlier, uh, who had been working for Kotal Khan for years and had been working with Aaron Black, reveals that she's actually a spy. She's working to resurrect Shinnok, and she takes the amulet and brings Shinnok back from the Nether Realm and frees him. So now, Outworld has a much bigger issue to deal with, bigger than Earth Realm, bigger than Melina. They now have to deal with uh, an elder god who wants to control and possibly even destroy all of the realms. Uh, well, they try you, to handle you know how it. you deal with that. You hold a tournament. Yeah, I know. Like you, Traditionally, that would have been the easiest thing to do. Also, there hadn't been a tournament in a Mortal Kombat game in like years at this point. It had been about all this other shit. Well, can you call it Mortal Kombat if there isn't Mortal Kombat? No. Maybe. That's actually a pretty good question. I feel like you should be able to just call whatever you want Mortal Kombat because it's just words. Uh, but they don't because there's no fighting tournament. Mortal Instead, diplomacy. Yeah, that would have been like a lot more interesting. Instead, basically, like Kotal Khan says, we're going to handle this ourselves. Fuck Earthrealm and uh, tries to do so. Fails. And Earthrealm actually winds up defeating Shinnok themselves. Um, and uh, yeah, whatever. End of the day, Shinnok got defeated. Everyone was safe. So some years pass. Outworld and Earthrealm are once again on like rocky territory, but at least they're not really getting like involved with each other. Um, for the most part, there's like peace in Outworld. Things are going okay. And then one day, while Aaron Black is like hanging out at the Coliseum, uh, participating in like yet another classic public execution, Outworld style. Uh, along comes this person named Kronika, who is the Titan of Time, uh, which is like a whole new thing. I don't even want to get into it because I don't understand what Titans are still. 
she shows up and is like, I'm Shinnok's mom. I don't like that Shinnok's dead. I'm in control of time. So I'm going to erase all of time. Uh, and uh, in order to do so, I just need to get to the special island with a huge hourglass and physically turn it over. <laughs> um, so we're being a little literal at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And they love their islands. It's island stuff. <laughs> so she she says, I'm going to go to this island. I'm going to turn over this hourglass. But uh, I know that it's going to be a little too easy to stop me from doing it. So I'm also going to bring people back from the past to form an army to protect me while I turn over the hourglass. Enter she... Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Honestly, dude, that would have been so sick. And she should have done it. Should have been like, I'm going to bring back all of these people who've been assassinated throughout history. Martin Luther who, uh, King Jr. wins <laughs> fatality. Yeah. And they're all going to help me uh, to create a new timeline where they didn't get assassinated. That is basically what she does. It just doesn't involve uh, historical figures from America. Instead, it involves. I have a dream that I'm about to whoop your ass. I want to play that game. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're. Your Martin Luther King also was somehow an Abraham Lincoln impression. <laughs> <laughs> I have one. I have one impression. It's just everybody. I get it. That's cool. I discourage you from attempting to do a, a Martin Luther King impression on the show, anyway. So I feel like it worked out for the best. <laughs> um. Okay. So. Uh, so instead of bringing back Abraham Lincoln, instead of bringing back Martin Luther King. Uh, she brings back people like Shao Kahn um, and uh, and weirdly enough, people who are from the past but are still alive in the present, like the young Aaron Black, who was still sh- serving Shao Kahn. So current Aaron Black, who has decided to serve Kotal Kahn, who, uh, who likes working for Kotal Kahn um, and has had like this change of heart, is now existing at the same time as young Aaron Black, who will do anything for a nickel and is serving Shao Kahn uh, and, uh, and is just dedicated to whoever's paying him the most. They exist at the same time. And so things are getting even more complicated for old Aaron Black. Formerly just a, a nice man from, uh, what was it? Wicket? Wicket, Texas. Wicket, Wicket, Texas. Population 498. Yeah, population, uh, you know, some people. Population, a large high school graduating class. <laughs> Oddly enough, I graduated from high school in Texas, and that is not a large graduating class here in Texas. <laughs> how many people were in your graduating class? 750. I think that's how many I had in Florida. I'm pretty sure. a lot sure. of folks. It is. Yeah, I don't think we had that many people actually by the time we graduated. I think that's what we started with. Oh, we started. No, we started with 1,250 and 750 yeah. graduated. Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds closer to our stats. <laughs> because Texas. <clears throat> yeah. Um. So I'll say this. It feels like we're set up for something super interesting with this like young Aaron Black who could probably learn a lot from old Aaron Black. Um, but uh, we're not. That's not what happens <laughs> because... As I mentioned earlier, Aaron Black, not actually a very significant uh, or involved character in the story. Uh, instead, what happens is they never meet the old Aaron Black and the young Aaron Black. 
old Aaron Black just keeps running around with Kotal Khan trying to help put out fires to keep uh, time from being erased. Young Aaron Black uh, teams back up with the Black Dragon, who are now run by two Kanos, who are best buds. Um, they uh, kidnap two a bunch Kanos. Of, yeah, two Kanos. We, two we, Kanos. We, we we cloned Kano. No, there's the young Kano who's also been brought back from the past, and the old Kano who is still alive at this point. I need an old Kano and a young Kano. Yeah, yeah. There's an old Kano and a young Kano together running uh, this this black dragon group that hasn't been around for like years. They, uh, they decide to work for Kronika to help reset time because Wait, so, so ju- just to be clear, are yeah. multiple Kano's called Kani? Uh, they're actually called, uh, no, I don't have a good joke. Kani works. Yeah. They're Kani. <laughs> the Kani. Yeah. Fuck it. They're Kani. <laughs> it works. Cause they got one eye. Cause of the, the eye thing, they got the eye patch with the lasers. <laughs> yeah well together they have a full set mm-hmm. it would have been sick if they just kind of held their heads together the whole time <laughs> um but they didn't they just teamed up reformed the black dragon kidnap a bunch of people from special forces bring them back to like a fight club not really clear what they hope to accomplish from all this but they did it uh and uh long story short um young aaron black just kind of hangs out uh, doing bad stuff while old Aaron Black hangs out doing good stuff. It, it all leads up to uh, this kind of final showdown uh, where Kotal Khan gives power away to Princess Katana, that princess who had been kidnapped by Shao Kahn generations ago. She becomes the new ruler of Outworld. She unites basically everyone in Outworld who together defeat Shao Kahn's army. Um and stop them from uh, protecting Kronika and helping her to reset time. But at the end of the day, it all winds up being for naught because Kronika does reset time um, uh, before they can stop her. And Aaron Black and everyone I've talked about today no longer exists and we are reset back to primordial time. And that is where uh, Mortal Kombat currently stands. This guy named Luke Kang is in charge of making a new timeline, but we don't know what he's done with it yet. Aaron Black no longer exists unless Liu Kang decides to make him exist. Okay. <clears throat> and that's, is that where we end with Aaron Black? Yeah. And okay is a perfectly. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I do love the fact that, you know, at some point, you know, Aaron, you know, Aaron Black, the younger and Aaron Black, the older have to have, have to meet in battle and, uh, uh, and, and be like, that was Aaron, the black. I am Aaron, the white. And I come to you at the turn of the tides. I uh I would love to have seen that happen. Um but they like don't do anything with it. They're both there. They're both at that battle and they like don't even uh interact. They don't meet at all. We don't even get to see well, a shoot. What fun is that? I know. I'd say I mean, you got you got to have again, one but... I mean you have the perfect opportunity to have a black hat and a white hat. Like you really you get to go all out. Yeah, and you could also do a thing where it's like they shoot guns at each other, but they shoot guns at each other so good that the bullets just collide in midair. Well, I mean, they can't hit each other because they're not hummingbirds. Like, you exactly. were very clear that he was able to shoot a hummingbird at 50 yards. You didn't you say can, he could shoot a person can, at 50 yards. He could exclusively shoot a small target 50 <clears throat> yards away. Like, as long as you don't let any hummingbirds get in front of you, you should be okay. Yeah, otherwise he's fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but that's it. That's really it for Aaron Black's story. The, the saga boils down to, here's this kid from uh, Wicket, Texas, who somehow uh, escapes his abusive home to discover a, a literal different dimension. His one skill in life that he was raised to have at all is marksmanship, which turns him into an assassin. And over uh, centuries, he serves various evil forces in another dimension until he is able to uh, work for somebody who shows him another way to be a good person. He discovers he does have a moral code. He does have a heart. Um, just in time to watch that power overthrown and all of time get reset by powers that are out of his control. Well, that Aaron is Black. that is an epic. It is. Uh, do you have any feelings, Cargill, on on Aaron Black? Do you uh, do you do you like the guy? Do you feel for him? Do you do you see potential in his story for further adventures? I mean, I do. I do like the fact that fundamentally. In his story, somebody instead of going for a fatality gives him a friendship, and he uh, he switches sides <laughs> and becomes takes. you know one of the good guys. Um, yeah, I, I mean uh, it's you know I have feelings. Um, I was moved. Uh, I laughed. I cried. Um, you know, uh, I shot hummingbirds. It was wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like you know it's it's odd. He feels like a wasted opportunity of a character because it's like uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff there, but weirdly, unlike even more minor characters in Mortal Kombat, he doesn't really get the chance to explore it much. He doesn't take any big swings. He doesn't make any big decisions. He kind of just works for a series of increasingly nice people until time ends. <laughs> is that how Mortal Kombat 11 ends? Is time just ends? Yeah, time gets reset. Um, but the person who reset it at least gets defeated by uh, a good person. So it's like the good guys lose, um, but uh, they do at least manage to have a good guy in place of creating the next timeline. It's Liu Kang, the champion of Earthrealm. So there's now an open question of like, okay, so what is the next story in Mortal Kombat look like in a version of time that was crafted by somebody with like a heart um, and with, who's like been through this ex- this whole story before. So might have like, uh, thoughts about what what would be the right way for things to go. So we don't know yet. We'll find out whenever the next Mortal Kombat game comes out. Soon? Maybe. I'm guessing yes. it'll be called Mortal Kombat 12. I mean, that's just a guess. Maybe. I mean, they've rebooted the series once, and it was just called Mortal Kombat, and then they made Mortal Kombat X and Mortal Kombat 11, which were sequels to that game. Um, and now, uh, who knows? This sounds like it'll be some kind of a reboot, so... Maybe it'll be called. No, because time has been completely flipped, which may have been the point. With a dollar sign at the end. (laughs) The James Cameron version. Yeah. Uh, So uh, that brings us to our last segment of the day, Cargill. A little segment I like to call Choose Your Destiny, in which I ask you, if you were to exist in the world of Mortal Kombat, uh, who would you be? What would you be? What master would you serve? What would your fatality be? Ooh, ooh, uh, that's a that's a real good one. Um, uh, I kind of think my fatality would be ripping someone's head off and then you know uh, taking a three point shot with it. Um, okay, that sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd probably be I'd probably be working for the government, you know, in an Earth realm, and you know, 
fighting for the good guys. I, I I'm kind of that kind of dude where I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to be a good guy. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to rule and ain't, you know, a foreign, you know, uh, a, another dimension realm, uh, and, and be, and have slaves and, and do all the awful stuff. That just doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Right. I mean, so government instead work you do something exact- ethical, like work for the U S government. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, if you're in the mortal combat realm, you're not going to be doing, you're never going to be truly ethical. Um, fair, fair. So, you know, I have, I have a feeling, you know, as good as Johnny Cage is, he still gives shitty notes on, on his films. You know, mm-hmm. you still got to deal with the talent. So, um, True. so yeah, I'm not, I, but yeah, I'll choose the, the, the lesser of eight evils uh, in mortal combat universe. To be clear, like, do you see yourself as uh, working for like U.S. special forces, um, in order to like investigate other dimensions, or do you see yourself as like working for the U.S. government but not really connected to the Mortal Kombat story? Like, you're you're like an accountant. You work for the IRS, or like. <laughs> well, I mean, in the Mortal Kombat universe, if I get to choose to be in shape and be, uh, you know, a combatant, I probably would. But let's be honest, I, I like whiskey and, and tacos too much. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's my thing is a tacoality uh, is really I'm like, oh, no, I do something vicious. But instead, really, I just shove a taco in someone's mouth and. And they choke to death and then you rip their head yeah. off and you do a three point shot. Whoosh. Nothing but net. Do you that's play what I say basketball? at the end too. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Nothing Do you play but basketball net. or is this just part, part of the fantasy is that you're in the world of Mortal Kombat and you're good at basketball? Uh, I mean, it's if we're going full fantasy and I'm good at basketball. Okay. Yeah. You're just, you're just adding that into the, into the fantasy. I mean, why not? I mean, look, I get to, I get to create my own Mortal Kombat self, uh, visualize respect, your best self. No, I respect and- it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh cargo thank you so much for joining us today on the show um if people want more cargo on their lives where can they get it well if you like listening to podcasts i have a podcast called junk food cinema where me and brian salisbury talk about uh films that we love uh uh taking deep dives often into uh cult films uh or talking about some of your favorites that uh, don't get the love that they we think they deserve also you can find my books wherever you buy uh buy your books uh including audio versions uh, and uh, my new movie is in theaters, uh, uh, or at least was in theaters, depending on when this drops. It'll, it'll definitely uh, still be in theaters when this drops. I'm confident uh, saying that. It's called The Black Phone, and uh, 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 people seem to like it, and I, I would love it if you went and saw it. How many phones appear in the movie? Can we get an exclusive for this podcast? I can say with certainty that there are at least three phones in the movie. Ooh! Now I'm going to be I'm going to be watching the movie. I'm going to be distracted now because I'm going to be looking for the third. Ph- I'm going to be counting the phones. I'm going to be waiting to see when the third phone pops up, and that's when I'll go. Okay, that's enough. That's all of them. That's all the phones we need. <laughs> Cargo, thanks again for joining us today, audience. As always, thank you for listening, and as always, finish him. <laughs>